just wanted to mention before we get started. Um, I I might have missed it. I might have, my mind might have been wandering. Did you mention this at all? Okay, so starting this week, we'll move into the October reading, which is John 17, the prayer that Jesus prays for his followers. Um, I, I think that's a really uh, special place in Scripture where we not only get to see, like, hear what Jesus prayed in his personal prayer time, but uh, we get to see how he prayed for us as the people who would believe in the message of the disciples. So um, I just, that's a really neat part of Scripture that I think gives us a unique picture into something that really connects us with the Savior um, at the time when he's walking the earth. So uh, I just wanted to mention that to you. And I also just wanted to mention that I know we're, I know we're low this morning on numbers, but I know that a number of people who can't be here in the morning are planning to come tonight. So um, I, I'm anticipating a, a decent-sized gathering. And, and um, if you have things like some outdoor games or something like that, bring them along. So we, it's supposed to be a nice night. So um, we can have uh, some good time like fellowship just hanging around but also like maybe playing some games and that kind of stuff so with that all said let's get started in stuff uh, for the text this morning we're going to look at Um, if you will turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 7 starting verse 24 this is going to be part one of a two-part sermon series as we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount Sorry, part one of a two-part sermon, not sermon series. So as you're finding there, um, your place there in Matthew 7, uh, I, I don't know if you are interested in this kind of stuff, but like our, there are documentaries and things that you can see on TV that, are, that talk about architectural disasters, um, and that kind of stuff fascinates me. Um, it fascinates me to see what happened, at, but also like to learn as they seek to figure out like what went wrong in this construction that... Uh, you know, usually functions as it's supposed to, as it's designed to function, but for some reason didn't. Um, and there are usually a number of factors that contribute to that failure of the structure that that um, they might be focusing on on that particular documentary. But um, I want to just uh, bring up some pictures of some things that maybe you're, some of them maybe you don't know about, maybe some of them, some of them I know you will know about. Uh, the first picture here is um, an amphitheater in a in a town r- real close to Rome, and in 27 A.D. they built it a little different than they had ever built them before. Most of them were built out of stone. This one was built out of wood, and um, it uh, they they filled the stands for entertainment one day, and the whole th- the much of it collapsed, and um, it killed like 20,000 people, which that's an astronomical number of people to die in, in a structure. So the fact that they could build something back then that could seat that many people is amazing to me, but then it collapsed. Um, the next one is one that you guys will probably recognize. Um, it's the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Anybody seen this on the videos where you can see it like twisting and yeah. And then eventually it crashes down. We, uh, there's a video at the St. Louis Science Center on this and it kind of talks about what happened and uh, but there's video that somebody's taking from the end of the bridge 
and a guy had driven his car out there just to get out there, get some pictures, see what was going on. And when he realized that it was too dangerous and he needed to get back, he couldn't get his car. So he was going to run back, but his dog was stuck in the car and his dog would not come. And so he left the dog and poor guy went down with the bridge. Um, 1975, this was a dam um, in China and uh, they just had a record number uh, amount of rainfall and flooding and stuff and the dam which had been had been secure before just gave way now in the initial flooding they had thousands of deaths but the effects of the flooding that ruined like the land and their crops and all that kind of stuff uh, the effects of that that flooding uh, reached up to 200,000 deaths. Um, the next one is not so much an architectural disaster, but that's the World Trade Center. Um, I've been watching a documentary on 9-11, and some of it has just been, like, mind-blowing. But the reason I included this one, um, we all know that it didn't just collapse, that planes flew into the building, but the reason I included this one was because Initially, I remember there being discussions right after all this happened, and initially there were discussions about what was going on, like how was the building designed that so that something that damaged the top like that all of a sudden caused all of the building to crumble. And so I remember, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember there being discussions about that. They, I think they talked to the the guy who was the engineer who designed or the architect that designed it um, and so they were wanting to know what was going on in the structure of how it was built that would cause the whole thing to collapse and then you might remember in 2007 this is the 35 west bridge in minneapolis over the mississippi road do you guys remember when that collapsed um so i remember i remember this pretty vividly um you know bridges that lasted for years and years and years and all of a sudden they give way um and you know all kinds of elements heavy winds rushing water air pressure extreme temperatures erosion um sometimes a compromised foundation uh, can take a toll on something like this and can sometimes cause them to just crumble and Jesus is warning us in our text today about that type of thing happening to our life if our life is built on an insecure foundation. Um, he warns us that our life needs to be built upon something solid if we expect to be able to weather the storms that we deal with in life. Um, and so Jesus Christ and his lordship in our life is that only foundation that will allow us to be able to stand firm and be not shaken or destroyed when the hard things of life come, the unexpected things of life come. So let's look at what he tells us here in 24 to 29. If you're able to stand, would you please stand to honor God as we read his word? And then we'll get into what it means to build our life upon Christ. All right. He says, therefore, which means he's connecting this to something before. Therefore, 
Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, um, as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, just to have the very teachings from the mouth of your Son um, to to teach us in words that we can hear and understand and to teach us in ways that that uh, make sense in our mind and um, and he's teaching from a human body that he took on and so he he knows what it's like to walk on this earth like we do and to go through the things that we go through to feel pain to feel sickness to to um, go through changes in in our life and and so there's just to know that it's his words and he's teaching us from a from a point of view that understands us intimately like that is amazing to me and this is a warning here that uh we need to really make sure that we listen to um i fear for people who have not built their foundation of their life upon him Um, So teach us this morning, Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what this means um, as we look at it today and next week as well um, so that we can make sure that our life is built upon a solid foundation of Jesus Christ. That's in his name we pray. Amen. Go and have a seat. All right, so this text today is about building your life on some kind of foundation and whether or not that is a secure foundation upon which to build. Um, All people at all times in all cultures build their lives upon something. Because as we mentioned in an earlier sermon, the age-old question is a question of life's purpose. And so we are always seeking out that purpose and that becomes that which we conclude is like the purpose of our life that kind of becomes our foundation in life our identity and our worldview are shaped by that foundation and so for much of history if you look back throughout history um, much of history the people built their lives upon a foundation that had, that was based around some kind of deity um, for most of the history of the world people were very religious in terms of practices Um, Some of them were very um, misinformed. Some of them didn't follow after the truth or didn't know the truth. But it was most of history, people have been pretty religious in terms of practice. They've got some kind of God that they worship, some kind of religion that they follow. Um, And that has been the case, I would say, up to about our 
our lifetime, but there's been a lot of changes. And so what we see today in many places, not just in America, but um, people have gotten away from some idea of a deity that they're focusing on, some kind of God that they're worshiping, and they've moved into um, into basically where you can kind of just choose anything and everything that can be the thing that you build your foundation of your life upon. Um, there is, and remember that is, that's, that shapes your worldview and how you think. Um, there's a friend of mine, he's a pastor, he pastors Bethel Lutheran Church in Morton. His name is Jeff Anderson. Um, he tells parents at the school, um, he says, someone or something, someone or something is going to shape your child's thinking. And I think this is the same thing that we're talking about here, except what we have here is that Satan is the one who's trying to creep in and shape your thinking and, and affect the foundation that you're building your life upon. Um, we know that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. That's John eight forty four, right? We know he prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. So getting into your head, shaping your thinking with his lies and affecting the foundation that you are building your life upon allows him to, uh, it may be slowly, but allows him to eventually devour us. So the foundation upon which we build our lives is of the most vital importance for us. Which is why this text is so important. So as we get into our notes now, um, we're going to look at reasons to build your life upon the foundation of Christ. Reasons to build your life upon the foundation of Christ. And so your first point is that God is the only one who can secure your earthly life. If you think about it, the reason why people build their life upon the foundation of something that's uh, you know, like we run after sometimes things or or maybe even people. Those are things that are part of earthly life, our earthly life. And the reason why we run after those things is because we we look, we want security. We want happiness. So. God is the only one, though, who can secure your life while you're on Earth. He created everything. And if he created everything, that means everything belongs to him. But if we build our lives upon something that's material, that is created, um, then that's automatically going to fail. Because the world has fallen. So no created thing is sufficient, is a sufficient foundation for the storms of life. So... Trusting in something um, is like, like putting your, your eternal hope on something in this fallen world is like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute pack that you know for certain has no parachute in it. Or it's like, remember the old days when you settled disputes by dueling? You know, you walk 10 steps, turn around, and whoever's the better shot wins because the other one's dead. It's like entering into a duel with a gun that you know has no bullets. You, it, it's a guaranteed death. So building your life and your eternal hope upon a foundation of something that is in this fallen world 
is a guarantee of eternal separation from God and hell with eternal suffering. And so people, you know, they, they build on the foundation of their wealth. Like that's what they invest their whole life in. And that's what they put their hope in for, you know, security and like in their working years and they're building and they're saving for security in their retirement years. And they want to be able to have enough in their retirement years to be secure so that they know they've got plenty, but can also like do all the things that they wanted to do, but were too busy working in their younger years. That's what we, most Americans, they invest most of their life in that kind of a thing. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing to be prepared, but one of the things that wealth does to us is that um, people who invest their whole life in that, they're rarely happy. Like when that is the focus of their life, if you talk to people that have really just like every, every decision they've made in their, in their family and in their life has been around gaining more income or, or sustaining wealth, those people are rarely happy because it does a couple of things. It just, one, it just makes you hunger for more. The more you get, it's like, a, it's like a drug. The more you get, the more you want. And so they just feel like they never have enough. And then you also, when it becomes an idol, you fear losing it. Because we always, deep down, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we always fear that we're going to lose those things, those idols that we worship. Um, now that takes being honest with yourself and asking God to reveal to you the idols that are deep in your heart. But, but other people can sometimes see that, and the way we react when those things are threatened helps us understand what those idols are. But anytime, we, anytime we have an idol, deep down we fear we fear fear that we can lose it, and and that drives how we live and respond to life situations. But if wealth is your foundation, and I'm just using, I'm just going to use a couple of examples here. It could be anything. But if wealth is the example we're using, if that's the foundation that uh, we build our life upon, that's going to, money will fail you. First of all, it doesn't transfer over to eternity. So it's only good in this life. But one might say, well, it's nice to have it in this life, right? Because it makes a lot of things easier. But money can also go from having great worth to having zero worth overnight. If you remember the Great Depression, you know. So, so you build your life upon and a foundation upon this thing that can be taken from you at any time. Some people build their foundation on social influence. Um, you know, we... I don't know many of us in here that are on like all the social platforms, but I know that most of us have some kind of social platform that we connect with people through that on the internet. Um, You've heard of the term social media influencer, right? Um, It's this new thing that people, a lot of people aspire to. I'm not sure why people aspire to it because it doesn't pay anything. Um, But I think they aspire to it because... I think all of us have this thing inside us that so badly wants to influence other people, right? Um, We've got this hunger inside us. We want people to look to us as being wise. We want people to look to us as being 
an expert in the field of something. And it doesn't have to be a big, like, social media influencers are looking for as many followers as they can get. But I think there's a thing deep inside us that even if it's a small group of people that are just our friends, we just, there's something in us that wants people to look to us for answers or wants people to look to us as being somebody who, who can give direction. And I think we eat it up if they do and they just listen and hang on every word that comes out of our mouth. It gives people who hunger for that. It gives them purpose. They find purpose in that in life. Like my purpose is to influence the thinking of this group of people, whether it's, big or small um but the problem is that like so many things in the culture they just the cultural movements and cultural norms they change so rapidly that it's hard to even keep up with most of it um even people who are in that world all the time sometimes can't keep up with it and and the the dangerous thing is in terms of placing your hope and building your foundation on that is if you can't keep up or you get to a point where you decide you don't want, you no longer want to keep up, the bus is going to run you over. So, and I, I don't know if any of you have listened to this I, and I haven't listened to the whole thing. I'm behind probably two or three episodes, but um, have you, have you heard of uh, the dot, the podcast, um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Anybody know Mars Hill? Mars Hill was where Mark Driscoll was at out in Seattle. Um, he uh, he built this like he this church just was it was like a small church, and within a very short amount of time, it went to like fifteen thousand members at like fifteen different locations. They all had the, around a thousand people. Um, he was instantly like brought in to be a speaker at conferences and and the thing with mark driscoll is it wasn't theology that was dangerous um i listened to his theology and i i think like it's not that off but it it was built around him as a personality um and the more the more he was the more his ego was fed, the more he demanded that people understand who he is and respect him and you don't question him. And so there was uh, people I learned in this podcast, there were people who worked for him that all they did was, all they did was raise a question about something and they were fired the next day. Um, He, and it was almost like, it was almost like this is just like how, this is how business goes. Like he had an evening service one time and there was a break for like a half hour. And then there was more, more to the service. And so there were a couple of elders that had some concerns about the way things were being handled with something. And so he called them in in the, to his office in that 30 minute period. So he's in the middle of a worship service at his church and he takes this small break, calls them in, fires them, and then goes back as if like, it's all normal. So, and he actually said, he actually said the next day he was at a speaking engagement and he actually said, Mars Hill is moving in this direction. If you want to come with us, get on the bus. If you don't want to come with us, we're going to run you over. 
Um, and then he shared with them that he had just fired two of his elders because they they weren't on the same page. That's how the culture goes too. Like it moves so fast. And if you're not ready to move along at the same pace, or if you're not, or if you're just like done with trying to keep up, it just runs you over. If that's what your foundation is built upon. People build their foundation upon their career. Um, you know, that's how we identify ourselves so many times. Like people want to know what you do for a living because that's kind of that's part of your identity. Um, and that becomes the foundation for many people of what they build their life upon and what their identity is built upon. Um, and I did this in Hamilton when we were there. Um, my foundation was built up in my identity. It was kind of wrapped up in my job as a pastor. And when God removed that from my life, I was lost for a long time. Just didn't know how to process much of life. So it's easy to do. And it could be anything. Like, those are just some examples. It could be anything, though, that we build our life upon. And these foundations, anything else you might put, build your life upon, they're all going to fail. But do you know what never fails and never changes and can never be taken away? God's Word. Isaiah 48, 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God endures forever. Matthew twenty four thirty five, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So this is what Jesus affirms in the Sermon on the Mount here in our text. When he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you listen to his words, you build your life upon the foundation of him and God's, God's word as God has revealed it to us so that we can know him. If you build it upon that, then it's like building your house on a secure foundation. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So if you ground yourself in the creator rather than the creation, then your life is built upon the only one who's sovereign over all of that creation. It's fallen, but he's sovereign over it. If you ground yourself in a relationship with Christ, you will never have to fear that you won't get enough likes on social media because you're going to be unconditionally loved every moment of every day. John 14, 26 and 27. This is where Jesus talks about how Building your foundation on here can secure your earthly life um, in God. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So right there he's talking about how the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you and to teach you, teach you all things, remind you of the things that Jesus taught. So here we're talking about his very words, his instruction to us. Uh, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So if you, if you build your house, your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, upon the rock of God's word and the gospel, then you will have peace. Christ will give you his peace in this world where we are so insecure in our life. Um, he says, I do not give to you as the world gives, because the world gives conditionally. 
And God's love is unconditional for us. I do not give to you as the world gives, but uh, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So God is securing our earthly life. He gives us his peace when the world is too much to handle. And then later in John 16, verse 33, he tells his disciples, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So God secures our earthly life. He grants us peace. He is a foundation for our life that will not be shaken when the difficult storms of life beat against us. All right, point number two is that God is the only one who can secure your eternal life. God is the only one who can secure your eternal life. So, a lot of people are looking for security in this life. Um, They tend to not think about the eternal life that is coming afterward unless they've had some kind of brush with death, and then sometimes those people will start thinking about that. But God is the one who secures that life after this temporal life is over. He alone is the judge. It is before his judgment seat that every person will stand to give account for their life. And next to that judgment seat is where Christ will stand as an advocate for those who surrendered their life to him. So he secures your life in himself, your eternal life in himself. If you think back to the Exodus, the Israelites, they slaughtered the Passover lamb, they took the blood and they brushed it over their doorposts, right? Um, And they were protected from the angel of death if they did that. And there's no account in Scripture that said any of the Israelites didn't do it and were struck down, so we assume that they all followed God's instructions. But when the angel of death worked his way through the camp, when he saw the blood on the doorpost he passed by that household and only struck down the firstborn of those who didn't have it. The, the Hebrew language that's used in that account draws this image in the mind of as he's working his way through the camp, it's this image of God standing in the doorway so that when he comes by, God says, this family belongs to me. And the angel of death is not allowed to touch them. So that's a, the, the Hebrew language draws that image out of the language. Um, now, because Jesus shed his blood on the cross for your sins and mine, his blood now covers us as the Passover lamb blood covered their door. We're covered in his blood. So it's a sign of the covenant just like the blood on the doorpost was a sign of their covenant with God and saved them. And just like the image of God standing in the doorway during the death of the firstborn, so, too, when we stand before God's throne on Judgment Day, Jesus stands there claiming, this one belongs to me. God is the one who secures our eternal salvation, our eternal life. 
Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. John 10.28 and 29. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So, our eternal life is secured because of what God did through Christ. Now, as I wrap up here, people might say, okay, I get it. We, we have to live our life for God. But does it have to be Jesus? Like, can't we find God in other religions? Don't all roads lead to him, right? Like, as long as I'm following some kind of religion and I'm being a good person, doesn't that just lead me to to the same God? Aren't Buddha and Muhammad and Jesus just kind of like different names for different religions of the same God? Or people might say, I understand what you're saying, but aren't some of the, the parts of the Bible outdated and they no longer apply? So, I, you know, I just want to, I'll obey the parts that still apply the parts that I don't quite understand or the parts that seem just like they don't make sense in modern times, I don't worry about. Or some people might say, I think that if God is a loving God, then he doesn't really send anyone to hell. He just lets everybody into heaven because we're all basically good and that's what love does, right? Love doesn't condemn somebody. Love loves somebody and just kind of receives them in so next week we're going to finish the sermon series with the third reason to build your foundation upon christ that the christian worldview is the only worldview that proves to be true and i know that's a big claim but we obviously we believe that or we wouldn't be here the Christian worldview is the only worldview that proves to be true. So we're going to look at that next week because Jesus says, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like this wise man. So we need to listen to him. But if the Christian worldview is not true, then that means nothing. So the third reason is that this worldview is the only worldview that proves to be true. We're going to cover that next week to close out the sermon series. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the foundation that it is. And I thank you that we can, we can know that this is truth and there's no other truth but this. We can know that everything else that we might run after in life and build um, our life upon as a foundation will fail. We can know that no other, um, no other options for things that we could pursue in life for whether it's uh, another religion or just life principles that we want to base our life off of, or if it's something that's material that we, that we want to run after and secure ourselves with, that those things are not secure, that 
our lives, our earthly life is secured only by you. Our eternal life is secured only by you. And we can, we can bet on that because of what we're going to cover next week about how this worldview, the Christian worldview based upon your word, building our foundation upon Christ is the only thing that is true and the only thing that works in this temporal life that we have to transfer over into eternal life with you in your presence forever. So let that be our foundation and thank you for uh, building that foundation upon your son and what he did in world history. In Jesus' name, amen.